Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode number 54. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I'm so happy that you joined us today. Today, I am thrilled to have Jeremy Jones, CEO of Jones Media Publishing with us. Welcome, Jeremy. Hi, Kim. Glad to be here. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here, especially because I'm going about to publish a book and I know a lot of listeners are as well. So I can't wait to hear what you have to share and about your journey So welcome again. With that said, would you mind sharing a little bit about your journey to becoming the CEO of Jones Media Publishing? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. So I'll share a little bit about my background and how I got started with it because I think it's helpful and it could be beneficial to your listeners. My background is I grew up in Southern California and I wanted to be able to travel. I just had a very interest in traveling. I also wanted to go to college and my parents didn't have money to send me to college. They both worked. They just didn't have money to send me anywhere. So the best option for me was the military. And so I went into the Navy and I was an electrician on an aircraft carrier for almost four years and traveled all over the world. And that was a great experience, but I knew the military definitely wasn't for me. When I was growing up, I used to go to my mom's friends. She worked at a hospital and I would go to her friend's houses and do yard work and do projects and make money on the side. And so I had that entrepreneurial spirit. I used to sell stuff. I do art, you know, freehand art. And so I used to draw things and sell them to other kids and just have that entrepreneurial spirit since I was very young. And so the military just wasn't a, wasn't a fit for me. I was very discontent and just didn't fit the mold. And so it's great for some people, but just for me, it wasn't, but I did really well. I got the highest rate you can get in the first enlistment and the travel was great and the friends and the friendships and the relationships were great. And when I was getting close to getting out of the Navy was when September 11th happened. And so I was a part of Operation Enduring Freedom or the September 11th attack. And that gave me a lot of time to think. We're out to sea for a long time. We were in Singapore at the time and we went to the Persian Gulf right after that. So we're out to sea for 112 days straight uh, without going into port. And it gave me a lot of time because I was planning on what I was going to do after I got out. And I had in my mind that I wanted to start a media company and I didn't know what kind of media and what that even meant. And I didn't have any family members that ran a business. I just did little things on the side, but that was my vision and that's what I wanted to do. And then when we got back to Seattle, which whereas where I was stationed is in Bremerton near Seattle, I got out of the Navy and moved here to Arizona, which I've been here since uh, 2002 to Phoenix And I got my Bachelor of Arts and started working doing freelance design work. I was doing graphic design and building websites and started working with authors, speakers, and coaches. And because the fact that when I was a designer, I was very good at a skill. I was a good designer, but I had absolutely no marketing ability. I had zero business skills. I had no entrepreneurial skills other than just a few freelance projects I'd done here and there. And it was a big learning experience for me. I hired a professional coach to help teach me marketing. I went to a ton of seminars. I took a ton of courses. I read books. Before I could afford to buy a bunch of books, I used to go to the library and walk out with a big stack of 
10 books and 10 audiobooks on CD and audio on tape even way back then. And we're just consuming information like crazy to, to learn and learn how to be productive and learn what I love about your show, Kim, is positivity and productivity. I just love those topics. And so in working with author, speakers, and coaches, I was interviewing them. I started my own show about five years ago. I was working with authors and speakers. And one of the things that they wanted more than anything else was to share their message with the world. And so I wanted to be able to give that to them and offer uh, added value in advance for them. And so I started a podcast where I helped them share their message with thousands of new people. And it was, it was awesome. I was helping them share their message. I was working with people I wanted to work with. Along that process, about three years ago now, I was hearing a lot of the challenges that people were facing and trying to find a publisher. They had a good book. They would submit it. It would get rejected. And keeping ownership of your book at the same time, have a good high quality at being self-published. I saw there was a major challenge for authors, speakers, entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs are very busy. They don't have time to try to figure it out, but they want it done right the first time. And so, you know, yeah, so I I developed a process start to finish that entrepreneurs can do assisted self-publishing, basically a high level of quality of publishing a book like a traditional publisher, but it's self-published. So the author owns the rights to the book and then we do book promotion as well. So we've had I think upwards of 15 in the last year, about 15 authors. We've helped hit number one bestseller. And it's just very exciting for me to help people share their ideas, their positive messages with with more people. So we hadn't talked about this before, I don't think, in prior conversations, but I didn't realize that you had a podcast. Is your podcast or show still around today? It sure is. It's called The Book District, Ideas That Make an Impact. So we interview entrepreneurs that are well-read. They read books that make an impact. And so we can talk about the book and three big ideas that they learned from the book that were a positive impact on their life or their business. And so we can promote the entrepreneur, promote their business and share what they do in their business. For authors, we specifically talk with the author about their book and three big ideas, ideas that are positive with the world, help people. And we talk about three big ideas from their book And we help promote the author and their business and what they do. And so I've created a community also called the book district. And it's for, you know, people that are working on a book, they can be a part of a community to get feedback and people that already have a book out. They have a support community, other authors, other business people where they can help get the word out about their book. And so it's a free community. It's called thebookdistrict.com, And that's also where, the listeners can find the podcast and the episodes and things. You've just blown my mind because, well, number one, I honestly can't go to the library right now because I need to pay off a substantial late fee (laughs) 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 because I'm the same way. I I walk out with huge stacks. Also, I had a couple books, including Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk that were decorated by children. Mm. So now I have multiple copies because that book, for example, I loved it so much that I had to buy my own copy so I could highlight it. I didn't realize my kids were going to decorate it before I could return it. <laughs> I would have just highlighted that one. <laughs> but that leads me to want to know, what's the most recent book that you've read that has made a real big impact? Oh, so many because I read so many different books. How many one, books are you uh, reading uh, right I now? I have two. So I read about a book a week. 
And two recent books that really stick out that have just been so fantastic. One that's been out for a while, Keith Ferrazzi's Never Eat Alone. Have you ever read that book? I haven't. Yeah, it's it's great. I like Keith Ferrazzi a lot. It's a really great book. And that one has been out for a while. Heard about it for a while and finally went and bought it. And I, I really enjoyed that one. The second one is Michael Gerber's new E-Myth. He wrote the E-Myth a long time ago and then E-Myth Revisited and then a bunch of different E-Myth for different types of entrepreneurs. And he just recently released an E-Myth book on growing your company from one to a thousand, a company of one person to a thousand. And it was just as impactful for me and for my business because of the growth that we're in right now that uh, E-Myth was a couple of years ago when I read. And I just absolutely loved the first book that he did. And I was actually a part of his book launch team for his, for his new book. And it's just fantastic. Have you, have you read that, the E-Myth? The original or the new one? Okay. I'm so embarrassed to say that it is sitting here on my shelf and has been shouting at me for probably three years. Oh my gosh. If you, Yeah. I finally just read Think and Grow Rich yeah. about a month ago. And oh, I had wow. been hearing about, I've been an entrepreneur for five years. You would have thought that mm. I would have read it already. Well, I'll tell you this. E-Myth, make that a priority. That one, if you're an entrepreneur, that one will blow your mind. That one, that one was made a huge impact for me and just my mindset as an entrepreneur and, and growing a business. It's, it's very, very good. So Highly I recommend actually, it for the listeners. Okay. And listeners, all of these books and all the resources that we mentioned will be in the show notes, which you can find at thecamsutton.com forward slash PP054. I am actually reading and not intentionally given the topic of this call, but I'm actually reading The Art of Writing by Jeff Goins. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. Which is reminding me just to keep writing. Just just do it. Mm-hmm. What's that, Nike? Reebok? Yep. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yep. Going back, I want to just go back just a little bit to when you were getting out of the Navy, and I want to thank you for your service. I'm married to a U.S. Air Force veteran who actually enlisted, and he's sitting right here, you enlisted on 912? It was September. I went in on the 12th, but 10 days for me to get through. Listeners, you have now officially been introduced to my husband. <laughs> yeah, um, he, so he enlisted. He, he signed up on 9-12 and it took 10 days to get through. But when he got out, he pursued his college degree too. And I believe that you and I have spoken about this before, how you both went through your education, what should have been a four-year education in three years, mm-hmm. yep. which is crazy. I can't imagine doing that, but good for you both for doing it. What type of transition was that for you? And would you recommend that other veterans or active military members who are about to get out, would you recommend that they make that same decision? Not necessarily doing it in three years, but using their military benefits to pursue their college education after they get out? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I think is really tough for uh, military getting out is the transition. I have a good friend that we went to high school together. He went into the army and he was a tank operator and he got out of the army, I think about two years after I did, he had a, a little bit longer of a term. He extended 
And it's like, how does a guy that's in the army, that's a tank operator get out and then have the confidence to jump into a career? Or if they go to school, they're from a blank slate. Now they're a little bit older. They've got to figure out a career path. It's tough. And the military, at least when I went through it and got out, they have a very poor program for the transition out. Many times they just, they want you to stay in. They have different programs for reenlistment. Just the, the transition out is, is very, very poorly done. And one of my goals is actually is to develop some sort of a program to assist veterans in that transition because I feel that they have an incredible skill set and leadership and teamwork and, and discipline, self-control that a lot of people don't get the experience to or don't get the chance to experience. And one of the things that's tough for them is understanding the transition of skills, the skill set transition. So if they're a tank operator, you can't transition the skill set they've developed to operate a tank. However, there are lots of sub skill sets like coordination, pre-planning, being proactive, making good decisions, making tough decisions, coordinating with a team. There's lots of things that transition that literally day one, they could put those into a resume and say, I have these skill sets. But a lot of them, they don't realize that. They just say, I was in the military and I was a tank operator. Someone looks at that and they go, oh, well, what does that mean? It's the job of the veteran to communicate those skills that they have. And they have lots. So that's one of the things that I'm working on right now is some different tools and resources to be able to help veterans because they're an incredible piece of the workforce, but they, they have a hard time transitioning out because there is just isn't a very good program for them in getting out of the military. That is actually something that my husband and I had talked about doing as well. So if you need any support on that. Yeah, thank I, you. That, that would yeah. be great. Yeah, because my husband found the same thing. But yep. I want to go back to you now. What would you say are the biggest obstacles or shifts that authors need to make? Or maybe what is the biggest shift when they're trying to get a book published and they're debating between getting it published through a standard publisher and getting self-published? Where does that decision normally come in? So different phases for different people. What I see typically happen is someone writes a book and it's very blended. So for me to say it's one way or it's this way most of the time is really tough to say. It's blended. Some people have no idea how the publishing industry works. So what happens is they have an idea for a book. They get excited about it. They write the manuscript. If they make it all the way through it, which a lot of them, you know, they'll write and then they'll get stuck and some people stop. If they do make it through, let's assume that they, they persevere through, they've got it done. Now they're looking at their publishing options. First option is find a publishing company that you can take a finished work to, which means that you have to pay an editor to go through it and have it really polished and, and complete because otherwise the publisher won't even look at it. You submit it to a publisher and they're going to tell you, number one, is the quality up to par? Number two, is there a market for this? And number three, you as the author need to have a author platform, an audience to be able to sell this book. One of the mistakes, or I should say myths, that a lot of 
authors that are trying to work with a, a traditional publishing house is they think the publisher is just going to go sell the books for them. Yes, they do create opportunities for the author. They create media opportunities in some cases, some cases not. But by no means are they just going to automatically sell your book for you. There's a guy that we're, we're working with right now that he was published through one of the major publishing houses. I think it was Baker Books two or three times. And he just finished his new book and he submitted to them and they told him, yeah, I, I know we've published your other two books or whatever it was, but after looking at your social media profiles, you just don't have the author platform that we're looking for right now. Sorry, there's nothing we can do. So they want you to have an author platform so that they're confident that you will be able to sell your book, not the other way around that they're going to sell it for you. So that's one thing to look at. The other side of things is if someone's planning to, let's go on the other end of the spectrum. If someone's going to self-publish a book, they have a couple of options. They can self-publish it by, and this is the challenge that I saw in speaking with a lot of people, is you've got to hire maybe not eight, seven, seven or eight different people, six to eight different people, freelancers, contractors, to be able to do everything. So First, you need a, you know, a developmental editor, and then you need a line editor, and then you've got to revise it yourself, and then you need a proofreader, and then you need a book cover designer. And then once you got a book cover designed, you need an interior layout person that has a skill set and the competence to give you the high quality that it deserves in the marketplace for your book. And then once your book is, is laid out for paperback, then it's got to be formatted for Kindle, formatted for ebook, and then... You have to consider that the person that lays out the interior for your book, you don't know the page count exactly because every book is formatted a little bit differently. So then you have to take the page count of the book, communicate that to the book designer so they get your spine size correct. And then they try to submit their book to get printed through, you know, create space or wherever they end up doing it. They find out it's wrong and they got to contact the designer, have it adjusted. It's just this chaotic, very time consuming many pieces, many cogs in the wheel of the machine to get all the pieces to work right. And so what we've done is we've created one source that someone can go to. Like, let's say we've had this happen all the time. Like somebody says, well, I've already got a graphic designer for a book cover and we still work with you guys. And we say, yeah, sure. Because we contract out each piece. So let's say you have a book designer that you really want to use, or it's somebody that you really trust, or you already have a designer you can have the book cover designed as long as it's at a high level of quality. We can take care of the other pieces and coordinate with your designer to make sure everything gets done right the first time. And there's a lot of publishing companies out there that are even starting to prop up where if your book's not totally finished and polished and completely done, they won't even look at it. And we'll actually give coaching for our authors when they're like 70% done with their book or even just in the early stages if they want a little bit of coaching on their book and the developmental of it and what's the next steps, we help authors with that as well. So it's really one source where someone can go to get a high level of quality and still retain 100% of the rights to the book. Can you provide accountability for getting the book done? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we sure can. And that is one of the challenges too with self-publishing. There's just no, there's no end date per se. With a publisher, they say, all right, our book release date is this month next year. So you have 12 months. Your first draft needs to be in by this date. And they give you these very urgent, very hard deadlines. 
And that's a, that's a good thing. It creates that urgency. And we do, we have, a, we have some flexibility to it as well because we want the author to do it because you know, people are busy and we, we, we can help create time frames and accountability. We have on our team two creative writing coaches that can help with the accountability and, and help. And we found that that's been very, very helpful as well. But you know, a big thing of it is being productive with your writing, which we I've developed through my, um, I have an ongoing coaching program for people that already do have a book out or they're working on their book and they want ongoing support. I have a program, it's a video course called the Rapid Writing Formula. And if you'd like, I'm, I'm happy to share pieces of that as value for your listeners here if you'd like where it's a, it's a formula to be very efficient and very productive in your writing so that you can stick to those timelines. You're not rewriting, reworking, rearranging things. And we find that's been very helpful too, to have resources, video resources, tools, templates, resources that we provide for people. Oh, I would definitely love a few hints to that. And also listeners, I will be sure, we will be sure to get a link for the program into the show notes. But before you go into the hints, I do have to share the book that I'm writing is Chronic Idea Disorder. And mm-hmm. listeners, you've probably already heard about Chronic Idea Disorder on previous episodes. However, Chronic Idea Disorder has really hit me hard because I've started writing probably five or six different books and I've never finished one. And I've realized that's a big problem with entrepreneurs. Well, people in general, we get started just like you were already saying, we get started but then we never finish. Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine if, if they had just been out. But I also want to circle back too about the important point about building your platform. And actually, my husband and I were just discussing this yesterday. Although he's not an author, he's a video game developer. And we were both struggling, me with my book and him with this game that he's working on. How much do you share about it before you actually release it, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. My conclusion, and he reached out to a gaming uh, developer community, both conclusions were that it's it's good to talk about it before it launches. I mean, you need to be building your platform and you need to be getting your platform excited about what you're about to release. Do you agree, Jeremy? I do. Yep. Yeah, I think there's a lot of components to it. There's a lot of different ways to look at it and think about it. But a lot of people are, they're afraid to tell too much, like it's a big secret. And if I reveal the secret, then people won't be interested or won't want to be. And I feel it builds anticipation, just like, you know, if a movie is about to come out, think about it this way too, Kim, if a movie is in production, it still remains in production while they start promoting it. And they put out a movie trailer that shows little bits and pieces of the movie without giving away, you know, spoiler alert, they give away little action sequences. They give away little bits of the story, little teasers and little, just a little glimpse of what the movie is. And they drip that out over time. And one of the things that you'll notice is if you go to a movie, like we have two kids, if we go to a movie theater and we watch a Pixar movie, They show commercials, previews, trailers for other movies for kids because the kids see it, they get excited about it. Then they go home and they watch TV and then there's commercials about that same thing that start to come up with the trailers and the movie trailers and they get more excited about it. If you go to see an adult drama, 
they show movie trailers about adult drama. You don't go to an adult drama movie and start seeing Pixar trailers. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And it's not so it's, like those movies are coming out in the next couple of weeks. They're, especially the Pixar ones, they're announcing, they're giving previews for movies that are coming out next Thanksgiving. Exactly. Half away. Yep, exactly. It, a world with a man next summer. It's, right. it's way far in advance. And that's the cool thing about it. That's for your listeners here. That's it's a big lesson. I mean, think about that. It's almost, it's an obvious thing. Like you, the listener, you're thinking, you're hearing this saying, Oh yeah, that's obvious. Cause you experienced, but really think about it in a deep level. Uh, the way that you can promote yourself is by going to audiences that are interested in that topic. I'll share another story. That's kind of an analogy to this that I heard from a friend of mine. Joel, who is a award-winning speaker at the uh, National Speakers Association through Toastmasters. And he had told me, I was sitting with him in person and he was doing a speaking about his early experience in selling. And he was one of the top selling personal development salesman for night. I think it was Nightingale Conant was the company he was with. This is way back when they had audio cassette tapes and they used to sell those audio cassette tapes, personal development. And he said he was so excited about this, selling these personal development tapes. And he went out trying to sell to people that were all messed up. He's like, these people need this information because he got to listen to all of it. So he'd go to people that were just in dire straits. He's like, if these people just listen to this stuff, they would be totally changed forever. And they weren't interested. They had no interest at all. And they got mad too. They said, why are you trying to push this personal development junk on us? He went back to his, men- his trainer, you know, his mentor. He said, I don't understand. This information is life-changing for these people. Why are they not interested? He goes, well, who have you been trying to give it to? It's like all these people, their, their life is a mess. They're a total mess. This will change their life. He goes, oh, see, that's your problem is you should be selling this to successful people or people that already listen to personal development because they're interested in personal development. So anytime you're trying to promote a book, this is one of the number one things I start to teach to authors about book promotion, and we do a lot of training on, on book promotion, is go where the people are interested in the topic of what your book is. If you're writing fiction books, Go and find out where people gather or learn or read or review books that are similar to what your book would be or is. If you're in the nonfiction category, if it's a business book and a startup category, figure out where people in the startup area are learning about startups. And you can apply that in a lot of different areas. That is such great advice. And I do actually have a question about that because... Especially here in America, we've been going through a bit of drama, I'll call it. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about with all the politics. Listeners, Mm -hmm. if you're listening well into the future, we're recording in early 2017 after, after Trump has just taken office. However, I've realized, as have some of my acquaintances, that engagement on Facebook is dropping off because people don't want to see it. So this is really the opportunity for the author and no matter, even if you're not an author, whatever field you're in, to really start building up your presence on other platforms. For example, if you're a coach or a speaker, you really have to reevaluate what you're doing on LinkedIn. Right. 
because I, I would like to think that that same drama isn't going to be over there. I personally haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. So I've been reevaluating it myself. So Jeremy, you're also the author of Power Authority, where you teach self-published authors to build their credibility from scratch. Is this, is all yep. of this something that you cover in your book as well? Yeah, it really is. And that Power Authority is my number one best-selling book on Amazon when it was released and it maintained number one for quite a while. And I wanted this to reach even more people. So even on my publishing site right now, for your listeners, uh, they can get a free copy of it. And we offer a free paperback copy of that book when you go to jonesmediapublishing.com. And the reason that this book came about is because we were finding, we work with a lot of coaches and experts and people like that. What we were finding with a lot of experts, even though they were an expert in a category, that when they would write a book, because a book has such a high level of authority and, and credibility in, in people's minds in general right now, that when an expert or coach or someone would write a first-time author to write a book and they're self-publishing, that many times they get stuck. And what stops them is they think, is anyone going to read this? Is my, is my book really good enough? There's lots of other books like this. Who is going to read my book when Brian Tracy and Gary Vaynerchuk and who I've, I've interviewed several times on my podcast and many other best-selling books. There's so many good books out there. Now, why is my book going to set us apart? Initially, when they start, they're excited about it. doesn't matter. When they start reading or writing their book and they get into it and it starts coming together, I find it is about 80%. The book's about 80%, the first draft, and they get stuck. They just, they doubt themselves. They have a little bit of that self-doubt that, ha- that creeps in. And they think, you know, I'm not, I'm not really an expert. And then they start hearing about they need to have an author platform. And so I wrote this book for that person that it's called Power Authority, How to Develop your credibility as a first-time author. And it is. It's, it's kind of tools, tips, tricks on how do you develop that credibility from scratch and, and hacks too. You know, how do you, how do you create, if there's no, if you feel maybe you're not a credible person quite yet in your industry, is how do you develop it? How do you create it? You'll be getting my request for that as soon as this episode is over. Yeah, cool. I think you'll really enjoy it. And it's, again, you can get the ebook for free or if you want the paperback, it's on there as well. You just cover, you just cover a small shipping fee. You just pay for the shipping and we'll ship you out a paperback book. Fabulous. So one of my biggest questions while I've been going through this process, and I'm sure a lot of other authors deal with it as well, is the quality versus quantity question. Mm-hmm. Is there such thing as a book that's too short or too long? Maybe I should ask too. Yeah. So hmm, that's a really good question. Something yes, that I, I don't, something that I, I've just heard that I'm going to follow mm-hmm. up the question with was, okay. and I think it was, oh, and I don't know, it was on, oh, okay, here it is. Jason Freed and David Heinmeier Hansen wrote Rework. And mm-hmm. in it, they were talking about how maybe 50 or 60% of what they originally wrote was actually cut out because it's better to have less great content than more mediocre. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. If you look at any of the old direct response marketing, sales letters, copywriting, education, David, David Ogilvy, and some of the great copywriting people, you know, there's a, I can't remember which of those guys said it, but you know, he said, I'm, I'm writing you this letter. And if I would have had more time, I would have made it shorter <laughs> because 
it is a funny thing that it actually takes more time to simplify and condense and say more in less words. It actually takes a little bit more time and more thought and more consideration. So to provide some value here for your listeners and answer your question on that one, I believe that a short book, you can accomplish a lot in about a 10,000 word book, which is very short. It's could be probably about 80 pages. That's a pretty short book. It's a one read, but you can get away with a lot, but it's a one topic book, which we have published books that are that short with many different people. And it's a short book. It's a short read, but they're, they've got to be, it's a one topic book and that's okay. It's a, you know, it's a one problem, one solution type of a book for either consumer education or just a one topic type of a book. Now let's go on the other side of it. The long, the longer book. I think you can overdo it. Some people think that they do have to have a extremely thick book for people to take it seriously. Like it needs to be a really thick book. And I really don't agree with that. I don't think that needs to be the case. If you've got a lot of research you want to provide and there's really a lot of content to the subject, yeah, sure, it can be a good, chunky, thick book, but I don't think you have to overdo it. I really don't think it needs to be a big, massive book. What does really well right now is a one topic, one sitting to two sitting type of a book, which is roughly, which is kind of our specialty, expert related books one topic, roughly about 150 to 200 pages. Somebody could finish it by sitting down once, reading a bunch of it, sitting down a second time and finishing it. Gets your message across, builds trust with them, builds authority, and can lead them into something else, your next book, your next thing. And what we find is that works very, very well. And you could literally create a body of work without having to work on one book for three years. You could launch three books, one book a year for three years. And each book would build upon itself. So you release book number one, and then you're working on book number two while you're promoting book number one. And then you release book number two, and then people buy book number two and they go, oh, you got a book number one, and they buy book number one. So it builds on itself. And that's how you build an author platform. It doesn't need to be everything all at once. Wow, that's huge. And I thank you for giving the comparison between number of words in and an idea of how many pages that was. I was sort of curious. Yeah. So 10,000 words is about 80, 80-ish pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been loaded with so much quality content. I can't even imagine how much you're blowing minds of, of listeners who do want to publish this year or in the near future. My last question for you, besides where can listeners find you, mm-hmm. is what is a book that you really didn't have big expectations for it, but blew your mind. Hmm. Let's see. You know, one that comes to mind that was very interesting. There's a book called the ant and the elephant. And I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of parable books. I like them, but they've got to be done really well. And this is one of those. It's a parable book that, it's a, and a parable is a, is a, a, it's a told in a story format, but in order to teach something. And this book is written by a guy. I wish I could remember his name. Maybe I'll look it up while I'm telling you about it. 
Yeah, I will. I'll look it up while, while I'm telling you about it. So it's a book about how the conscious mind and the subconscious mind work together. And the way he compares it is a little tiny ant that sits on the back of an elephant. And the little ant is the conscious mind. And the big elephant is the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is big and knocks stuff over and just goes where it wants to go. And the little conscious mind is real tiny and sometimes tries to convince the subconscious mind where it wants to go, but it doesn't listen. It just kind of goes where it wants to go. And that's how through my learning and coaching and feel very blessed to have great mentors and to meet just unbelievable entrepreneurs through my clients that I've worked with and in close friends. Like I've had the opportunity in the last couple of years to do conferences with Ariane Huffington from Huffington Post, who I've spent days with at, at conferences and personal time with. Tim Ferriss, Brenda Burchard, Russell Brunson, conferences with Tony Robbins and Bo Eason and just all, I mean, entrepreneurs that are just awesome. Regular people. But what I found is they're, they're regular people that have just done extraordinary things. And the book, The Ant and the Elephant, uh, helped me to get clear on how important it is to develop productivity. Topic your podcast there is productivity. So I want to tie it into that for value for your listeners is how important personal habits and productivity ties into your life with your habits. And that's what that book is. It's, fan- it's, it's really good. That is so fantastic. I am going to have to pick it up now. Yeah, again, it's really good. Listeners, you can find all the show notes once again at thecampsutton.com forward slash PP054. Jeremy, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Where is the best place for listeners to find you online? Yeah, thank you so much. Real quick, Anton the Elephant Leadership for the Self by Vince Passante. You can find that on, on Amazon. So yeah, thank you so much. Honored to, to be here. My publishing company, jonesmediapublishing.com. Right on the homepage there, you can get a free copy of my book, Power Authority. I'd love to connect with any of your listeners that have questions about publishing, want some free resources. We do about twice a month, we do a open Q&A call or a training workshop online through my community, The Book District. And that's my podcast as well. And you can go to thebookdistrict.com and get that information there. If you want to just jump straight over to the replays for the podcast, that's on my kind of my personal website. And that's askjeremyjones.com. There's three free resources for you. I put out a lot of free articles and training in my podcast. We've got some great, great interviews there. And I, I just want to leave you and your listeners with one, one final thought here. There's a great quote by Paul Meyer. Productivity is never an accident. It's always a result of commitment, excellence, intelligent planning, and focused effort. So if you're a listener and you're working on a book or you put a book on the back burner, if you block out time every single week to plan what you'll write and then write what you'll plan before you know it, your book draft will be done. And then now with self-publishing, you literally can share your message with millions and millions of people online. So 
Don't let anything hold you back and stay productive. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.